tonight we're going to be talking about a servant is not greater than his master. Father, we just thank you for everything that you did so far. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I want to encourage everyone under the sound of my voice, even including myself, to live this scripture out. We are all accomplished in Christ. And more, and the more that we accomplish, we will have to fight against the very human temptation to look down our nose at people. It shouldn't be easy for us to do this, but pride goes before a fall. Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. The definition of pride is the quality or state of being proud, inordinate, inordinate self-esteem, conceit. Haughty means blatantly and disdainfully proud having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people or things perceived to be inferior. It's our flesh. Our inner nature drives us and causes us to puff and think that our particular ministry is better than someone else's. It causes us to think that because I'm doing this particular ministry, I'm more special than someone who isn't doing what I'm doing. It's our inner nature that causes us to have an inside voice that says my gifting is better than someone else's. I believe that God is bringing this out now because of the anointing that he is bringing. He doesn't want the enemy to trip us up with how great we are. He doesn't. Because we really aren't that great. Here's a little story. Everyone is important. During Mark's first month of college, the professor gave his students a pop quiz. He was a conscientious student and had breezed through the questions until he read the last one. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Surely this was some kind of joke. He had seen the cleaning woman several times. She was tall, dark-haired, and in her 50s. But how would we know her name? He, and, he handed in his paper, leaving the last question blank. Just before the class ended, one student asked if the last question would count toward the quiz grade. Absolutely, said the professor. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They each deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. Mark never forgot that lesson. He also learned her name was Dorothy. Everyone in your, in your life is everyone, just like the people you give importance to. Everyone in your life is everyone, just like the people you give importance to. Let's continue with Romans 
And let's just tie this talk together with verse 3. Romans 12, 3-8. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The lesson in this passage of scripture is whatever your gifting is, it should be used for the glory of God. We should use it with the measure of faith that is given to us so we can accomplish, accomplish the task that is assigned to us. Our perspective should be one of serving others. We should all desire to serve others. One day a man said to God, God, I would like to know what heaven and hell are like. God showed the man two doors. Inside the first one, in the middle of the room, was a large round table with a large pot of stew. It smelled delicious and made the man's mouth water. But the people sitting around the table were thin and sickly. They appeared to be famished. They were holding spoons with very long handles and each found it possible to reach into the pot of stew and take a spoonful. But because the handle was longer than their arms, they could not get the spoons back into their mouths. The man shuddered at the sight of their misery and suffering. God said, you have seen hell. Behind the second door, the room appeared exactly the same. There was a large round table with a large pot of wonderful stew. That made, that made the man's mouth water. The people had the same long-handed spoons, but they were well-nourished and plumped. Laughing and talking, the man said, I don't understand. God smiled. It is simple. He said, love only requires one skill. These people learned early on to share and feed one another. While the greedy only think of themselves. You know, we had an opportunity and we were tested when the majority of us got COVID. And as Pastor Barbara brought out, many people did different things behind the scenes to help. You know, they cooked, they kept things running. You know, that shows how we're not selfish. That shows how we're maturing and we're not looking to be pampered ourselves. And that's a wonderful testimony for anyone, especially the body of Christ, where there's often backbiting and contention and strife going on. It's neat to see how we all rally together in support and love for one another. And there was always a time where, 
you know, how's this one doing? Or we would get word through email or someone would call, you know, and it was this corporate prayer that just kept everything going. And it's so important that if we were prideful people, that wouldn't have went on. Let them fend for themselves. Shame on them. They got COVID. It had been a different, different mindset, a different perspective. Your gift should not be used to feed yourself. Your gift should not be used to build your sense of self-worth, your sense of accomplishment, your sense of fulfillment, or your sense of value. Your gift was not designed to feed you. It was designed to feed others. You should be getting what you need from the Father, not your gift. And I think it's neat that God dropped tonight and he touched all of us in a way that he wanted to touch. Further confirmation that we're in the right direction and we're doing what he wants us to do. Definitely wasn't in my plans. So you know. Watch people when God is using them. They are okay, but when God is not using them, they can't function. This shouldn't be our attitude. We should be patiently waiting because you never know when God is going to call you and bring you up and then start using you. You should always have a mindset of being prepared in season and out. John chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus never used his anointing to fulfill an inner lacking that he had. He was loving and he was firm. He was not seeking his own kingdom. He did not have pride or haughtiness in him. He was just minding his own business. A servant is not greater than his master refers to a very powerful concept that Jesus lived. Jesus believed that he was here to serve. When you approach ministry from Jesus's worldview, you will walk through some of the most dangerous aspects of being in the ministry. You will stay out of pride. It's so important that we walk in the humility and we walk in the unity of the brethren in this hour because of the power that God is about to drop on us. And if we don't remember these simple little lessons, you could fall and you could take other people down with you. Jesus' worldview was that he was sent here to this earth to demonstrate the character of God. John 13, verses 1 to 5 and 12 to 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, 
the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus had the attitude of a servant. Think about this. How could the King of Kings and Lord of Lords squeeze himself into the form of a man walk around on this earth and not one time did Jesus say, Hey, look how anointed I am. Not one time. He didn't have to get his needs met by his gifting. He didn't have to have people puff him up and, and push him and, and encourage him and, and do these things. It was given to him by the father. And as we learn, again, to self-feed, to self-get in his presence, you won't have these low self-esteem issues in the spirit. You'll be secure, and you'll be mature in Christ. And we need maturity in the body of Christ right now. We need it so desperately because there's such a lack of wisdom Amongst the, the members and the leaders. And it's no wonder. How scattered the sheep and the flock are right now. Because of all of the different things that are going on. So we must purpose in our hearts. That we're not going to be like that. But we're going to do what's right. And we're going to honor God. If Jesus is our master and we are his servants, shouldn't we have the same worldview? Let me go back. Jesus had the attitude of a servant. Think about this. How could the king of kings and lord of lords squeeze himself into the form of a man? Walk around on this earth and not one time did Jesus say, look how anointed I am. Not one time did Jesus look down upon us with disgust and disdain in his heart as if to say, I don't know why my father is wasting his time on these peasants. You ever thought about that? How real that is? Because we really are absolutely nothing. It was not even in his vocabulary to consider us that. If Jesus is our master and we are his servants, shouldn't we have the same worldview as Jesus? Jesus took his disciples' feet into his hands and embraced them 
sheep poo, spit, dust, dirt, toe jam, all of that. And he still embraced them. He wasn't rough with them. He happily served the disciples. He didn't rub Jesus's, Judas's feet harshly or wash his feet any less than he washed the other disciples' feet. If the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is our master, then shouldn't we carry his same way of doing things? You have a three-foot spoon in your hand, and it's for the purpose of feeding others. God is working with his people to bring a greater level of unity, and I believe that he's doing that, especially in here. We have to seek the unity of the brethren. We have to seek for God to bring this into us. Not just with this body, but all of the bodies. Can you imagine if all of the churches in Delaware would unite? Get in one mind and one accord. And then the churches in Maryland and Delaware unite. Maryland, Virginia and Delaware. Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania. What would God not be able to do? With that unity. It all starts with being a servant. It all starts with not having pride. And haughtiness. This can only occur when we stop manifesting the fruits of our flesh. The need to be seen. The need to be served are manifestations of our flesh that cause the enemy to be glorified instead of God. Unity will come when we start seeing each member of the body of Christ as unique and important. There are people who are called to the nations. That doesn't make them any more important than those who are called to corporate America. Those who are called to street ministry are not more important than those who are called into the four walls. We must strive at destroying our flesh in this area because this is not being a servant to Jesus if we allow these things to rule and reign. When we have attitudes that show we think we're better than others, we show the attitude that we are greater than Jesus, our master. This is how it translates out. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Look at the level of disunity that we have been fighting since Jesus came to this earth. John the Baptist's disciples, the Pharisees' disciples, were coming against Jesus' disciples. These things were taking place. 
There was no recognition that John the Baptist's disciples were called to do something different than the Pharisees' disciples were called to do something different than Jesus' disciples were called to do something different and different than Jesus' disciples. That different calling didn't make any of them less valuable to God, nor did it make their purpose not be what God had intended for it to be. When, when you look back through history and you look and you understand, we had to have Pharisees, we had to have Sadducees, we had to have Jesus' disciples, we had to have John the Baptist's disciples. So what do we have to have today? We have to have the different denominations. We have to have the different groups within the body of Christ so that this unity of the Spirit can be brought forth. And that's going to show the world, wow, this really is God. Because look at all these different types of people with different mindsets and different behaviors come together in one mind and one accord. Do you realize now that the world is trying to do this? They're trying to come in one mind and one accord with each other. Have you ever thought about that? They want unity. If, if you don't get that, why is there such a push on some people to get vaccines? They want unity. What's going to happen when they get their unity? What's going to happen when the demonic people get their unity? And I'm not saying if you got the vaccine, you're demonic. I'm just saying the world, the bigger picture. We've seen the power of witches and, and warlocks. When they get unified, how much damage and how much destruction they can do. Can you imagine the entire world being unified against the church? That's... That's something that we're not, if we don't get this part together, this unity, we're not going to be prepared for. But I believe that God is showing us this so that we can get it together and realize that this is coming. They're actively working on this right now. Actively working. It's not, it's not something that's coming. It, they're working on it. So the church has to open its eyes right now and see it's very, very important that we get unified and we get on one mind and one accord. Modern day times, one church comes against another church. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, verse 20, 
there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. How many before you got sick and you don't have to raise your hands thought about someone who had passed away with COVID and really considered all that they went through? And then how is this different now that you've been through it? It's completely different. And I never for one moment thought that I was going to die, but I still look at people now who've been through this and, and who have died and really, really honor God and really, really pay attention to the suffering that their families are going through. Their loved one is gone. And we were talking about this privately amongst ourselves, but you know, the reality of this, this COVID thing is someone created it and let it loose on the earth. Have you ever thought about that? So someone devious mind full of the devil said I'm going to make this disease and have it do all of these different things that it's doing completely amazing completely amazing and this is why we need each other in order for there to be true unity we must get this within our spirits I like how he shows that there are many members. It doesn't matter where you are positionally in the body. You're still a part of the body. And because you do your part doesn't make my part less than your part. You may feel a call to go out on the streets. I may not feel that call. I'll slip you a $20 bill. Whatever souls you reap for God are attributed to me as well. I may not have $20 to slip you. But I say an occasional prayer for you as the spirit leads me. Whatever souls you reap for God are attributed to me as well. This is the unity. Why? Because we're part of the body and we need each other. Vice versa. We're called to support one another in whatever way the Lord leads you to support. It's, a, it's very, very important. You, you don't realize how important each job is in this church. When, when one job is not, when that job is not being done, it's, it causes other things inside of the church to not function properly. And, and the sooner that we see that and understand this, the better we'll appreciate each other, the better we will look at each other and say, wow, really thank them for doing whatever, you know, whatever they have decided to contribute and appreciate that because it's, it all needs to be done. And one person cannot do it. So we have to value each other and value those jobs that are there. 
the people are coming. They, they really are. God has been promising us that they're, they're coming into the house of God. And we're getting ready. We're getting ready to receive them. And it's going to take everybody, everybody's hands, doing all kinds of work. One body, one unity, all spirit. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 10 and 17 to 25. This is David's conflict with the Amalekites. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you imagine crying that much? That's a lot of crying. That's a lot of inner turmoil and anguish. Verse 5, And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for, all, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook, the brook Bezor. Verse 17. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. Now David came to the two hundred men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bazor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. See the attitude? Terrible. Terrible. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? 
But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. No one is more important than anyone else. You, ha you have to see this. Everybody's job is important in the body of Christ. Everybody's job. This principle was true in David's day and it remains true today in the spirit. The body of Christ needs to fix its face, drop the attitude, attitude about how great they are, go on and finish the race. It's, it's simple. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, 31, and verses 13, 1 to 13. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do you all have gifts of healing? Do you all speak with tongues? Do you all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. This all goes about, are you greater than your master? Your master would not have an attitude. He would be serving. The best way to serve is to love. 1 Corinthians 13 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Here we go. Verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. They're going to know us by our love. They're going to see our unity. They're going to feel our unity by our love. 
This is a time and a season where we must continue to love one another, to not be offended with anything that goes on, and to always hold each other in high esteem above the other. And as we do this, this unity that God has been promising us will come, and we will be able to accomplish the task that he has placed before us. Now is the time. Now is the time for us to step into this. And remember, Jesus did this for us. So we can do this for him and for other people. Because God is going to start sending people your way. There's, there's no doubt in my mind you know, that they're coming. The harvest is coming in. We're committed to excellence and truth as we conduct spiritual overwatch for your soul. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. Simple truths, given with intellectual integrity, far better than Fox News and CNN combined. Please feel free to contact us with questions, comments, concerns at ChristopherRadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and more. Until next time. That was your Overwatch, Einstein. You can thank him later. <laughs>